You're listening to The Magnet Podcast. Uh, welcome to The Magnet Theater Podcast. I'm Rick Andrews, subbing in for Lewis Kornfeld, who's on the 10-day DL with a torn rotator cuff. Wow. Uh, yeah. Baseball reference. Here with me is Greg Hess from the Improvised Shakespeare Cunning. Uh, oh my gosh. Cunny. That's take, actually a term, that's, that's actually a term that. for vagina in Shakespearean language. Welcome to the Magnet Theater Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Andrews, subbing in for Lewis Kornfeld. With me is Greg Hess from the Improvised Shakespeare Company and Cook County Social Club. The very same. The very same. Lewis is out with a torn rotator cuff, everyone. <laughs> I just heard that. And we just send him well wishes. Yeah. He's, he's on the 15 day. So, you know, he's going to miss two starts and he'll get back in there. Did he do it playing a sport of some sort? No, he did it improvising, which is uh, <laughs> theater sports. <laughs> um, well, well, that's actually kind of cool. Yeah. I guess if that's his chosen profession, then he needs to get an injury doing that thing. He's got to. Um, he's actually in Hawaii. So let's not feel too bad for him. <laughs> okay. Uh, thanks for coming in. Hey, thanks for having. Yeah. Happy to be here. Um, tell us about how you started improvising. You are a, we were talking earlier, you are, I, I would also describe you as a consummate performer. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, a consummated performer. Yeah. Um, you're in a lot of like big time improv shows as far as there are, there could be or can be or are big time improv shows. How did you, how did you get started doing improv? Uh, I started in college, like a lot of people, and doing short form. And, you know, I I kind of came up during the time when improv hadn't quite made it to high schools and stuff yet. No one really right. knew about it. So when I first, Whose Line Is It Anyway, I had seen, I think, one time. So I kind of knew what improv was, but then I saw improv. I went to William & Mary in Virginia. Excuse me, I have to burp this coffee. Oh, God. And um, <laughs> I, saw, uh, I saw a short form show. And I actually, in my 18-year-old brain, I thought that that at William & Mary at that time, that was the only people doing it. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like that they had invented yeah, this like, thing. Yeah, like, what is this? This is the most amazing we thing I've ever so seen. so smart. And I really did sort of choose to go there because of it. Well, Yeah. You so, saw it while you're, like, visiting? While I was on my visit. Oh, crazy. And... Uh, and I just thought, I didn't know you had to audition or anything. Right, and right. I just thought, that's what I want to do. And so, so, yeah, I started doing short form in, in college. And um, and then, yeah, moved to Chicago right after college and, and started there. And you basically moved to do improv. Like, I did, Not yeah. in a like, uh, way where you like, were hired to do a thing, but you, you, you just wanted to kind of check it out, right? Yeah, I knew, you know, there were a, a few alums from my group had moved there over the years and had all done Second City and things. And so... It was sort of spelled out to me in that way of, if you want to do this, here's where you go and here's where you start. That's and like a common, you take. like yeah. kind of, not like a like story or, or like a decision where like, and it's not even a good decision. Like I did that too, where like, <laughs> yeah. I applied to grad school only in New York or Chicago. Yep. So that I, and, and really I was, it was, I just wanted to do improv. Like yeah. if I was like, oh, I'll go to grad school. Also. How's the grad program going, Rick? Yeah, I dropped out. <laughs> uh, so it, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I, I don't know that I like recommend that to anybody because you just never know. But, yeah. but if for the people who, who end up do doing this stuff, that's a pretty common thing or just like, you just roll the dice and you just say, I'm going to go check yeah. this out. I don't think in my mind I thought I'm going to make a living at this. Right. I, I even, I don't even know if that was on the radar as something you could make a living doing. Right. But I did know, and I think I had that, you know what, I'm going to give it a year. And every I've been giving it a year for the last 11 years. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, 
let's let's, yeah. let's talk about the like making a living thing. Yeah, like, it's, it's something I I think is interesting. I, I hear that speech. I used to hear that speech from teachers all the time. Mm-hmm. Of you cannot make a living doing improv, mm-hmm. which is both like true, but also like untrue in a in a weird way. Where like I guess if your goal is to only get paid to only do long form improv shows, mm-hmm. it's going to be real hard to to pull in a couple mil. Yeah. <laughs> Pulling uh, in a couple mills yeah. is tough doing anything, really, right. especially improv. But I view it as like, and maybe you speak to your own experience with this stuff, but uh, it, it's um, it, it's a good stepping stone to a lot of other different things, and not even just like straight-up career stuff. Like mm-hmm. I feel like it builds the kinds of skills that, that end up leading to really satisfying artistic endeavors and being a, a full-time creative person. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I I don't make my... I guess I have made my living full-time as, a, as an improviser, but that means, you know, I've taught improv. Right. I've taught, you know, corporate improv before. I've done a lot of training. I've done you know, sketch shows and things like that, that have, or I, you know, I toured for a while with second city and that, that was because of improv. And so I think you can make a living, but it, it's a piecemeal living. It's not yeah. just like you're going to get up every night and someone's going to sure. hand you money to, to improvise, but it does. Yeah, you're right. It leads to a lot of things. And I also know a lot of people who like, you know, even if they're not like, okay, I teach improv and perform improv or even not like I got hired to do a TV show who like, are involved in the creative side mm-hmm. of comedic projects or of just artistic process who, who write for things or whatever, where like improv was a either a literal connector to those things sure. or like a big part of that creative thing to kind of get them in the mindset to, to do that work. Well, it makes you an obvious collaborator. And so yeah. it's a great connecting skill. I, I've still, I mean, even just like the other night I'm at the bar at, in, um, at IO in, in LA and this guy had seen a Cook County show and like gives me his card and is like, he's some, you know, corporate trainer and is like, right. Would you ever want to like come and teach? And I was like, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> you can let me know how much, maybe you'll make me that two mil. Yeah. But I, you know, it really is something that when people see it, they, I, I think they do think of it as a skill that can, they want to learn or they can connect. What is, uh, what is it about improv that you think, uh, creates that? What are, what are the like parts of improv that, create that that draw or that allure i think um, that's a good question i think um i think the obvious answer is that collaboration yes and thing but maybe for me it's a little bit more like um from an audience perspective i think improv is inherently well it's inherently risky to be on stage and it's inherently like we like watching risk on stage yeah um and i think when I teach and when I perform, I always like to remember that people are attracted to the idea that we don't know what's going to happen. We're going to make it up together on the spot if we're really improvising, yeah, <laughs> truly improvising. And when it's successful, that it's, you know, it's stepping into the arena in a kind of, in a fun way and, you know, and achieving um, the thing that everyone was scared to do. So I think to me, it's more about like risk and reward. And when it fails too, it's also like, well, at least they tried. You know? <laughs> yeah. And so um, there is so- such a sense that you are rooting for the people on stage. There's, and that's something I've been like, as I've tried to like communicate to students, like how to especially just start improvising to like think about that and take advantage of the fact that it's like, it's happening right now, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like even bad improv, you know, it can be frustrating to watch, but you're also still like on their side sure. and, and you're all kind of discovering together. And that's where it's like, like you're just saying, like when it does succeed, like I feel like 
there is like a, almost a bigger reward. Like I, the, the, I, the experiences I've had, and maybe I'm just a total improv nerd, but you know, being like laughing and watching something like, uh, a, a, the, I think the best improv shows I've ever seen, they, they like transcend, they transcend being funny absolutely in a way that it, I think it's hard for something that is written to, to do because part of what helps trans it's transcend that is that you are all kind of there and things just start to happen that, that no one is aware of. And then they're kind of moving outside of consciousness. It's hard to capture that stuff in a, you, a script. You, yeah, absolutely. You can't capture it in a script or on video. I mean, it's also kind of like the magic of theater, like being yeah. there for that moment when that thing happened, when Rick fell off the stage and we like made it into this amazing thing. Yeah, I got to, I got to stay on my feet. <laughs> you do <laughs> keep falling off, but you also don't get that same experience right. of if you go, down the street and see streetcar named desire on broadway or something and somebody falls off the stage it's a nightmare <laughs> yeah and and you're speaking of it in terms of like well that's unfortunate that that happened and that we right you know had to be there on that night and but if with improv it's a little bit different it's like we got to be there on the night that this thing happened and yeah. they, they somehow wrangled the the beast and and made it work yeah um let's talk about improvised shakespeare for a little bit sure. um I, and I, this is a common thing, I think. When I first saw that show, mm-hmm. um, it made a small part of me, and it's not in a realistic way, but one of my first reactions was like, I need to quit improv. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what we achieve. That's what yeah. we dr- strive to make everyone quit improv. Because I saw that. It, it, it's, it can be, and this isn't just, you know, blowing smoke up your butt, but it can, it's, it can look so brilliant. Like, oh, that's like nice. it, it was, uh, it, not only was it, amazing improv which is you know one thing mm-hmm. but also like you guys are so smart and that was the thing that kind of blew me away i was like watching that, i was like i will never be able to do that you know like um and uh and you know i don't even know that that's true it's just like is a feeling like watching it for the first time of just like <laughs> how how overwhelming everyone's intelligence and creativity is um what, what's it been like becoming a part of that cast like working on that stuff getting good at it yourself like yeah i suspect it's a skill like any other and it it's is. not magic genius handed down from the gods it's not and i think um you know i like to hold up the dumb end of the stick on the improvised shakespeare side because <laughs> there, there are guys in that company that are way more well versed in shakespeare than than i am and the and i sort of have to trust that you know there are certain guys that are just like true i mean there are jeopardy champions on the cast where you're like <laughs> right oh great well you know he's gonna take <laughs> care of that like reference of ancient rome but yeah it is a skill like anything else i mean um i think if you were to see our shows in the early days they would have been a lot rockier and it's only through time that we've become more comfortable with the shape of the show yeah and letting um and actually, I think for me, the language was the the first big hurdle is that I, <laughs> the story is when Blaine asked me to do it, it was kind of early on. And I said, uh, no, thank you. It just sounds in my mind. I was like, no, thank you. It sounds dumb. <laughs> and then I went and saw the show. And then I said, uh, he said, you know, why don't you come and, and watch? And, and then I saw it and I was like, no, thank you. That's impossible that I could never do that. Right. And he said, well, why don't you sit in? And so my process was, at first, it really felt like I was improvising in a foreign language. I would think of something yeah. that I wanted to say and not know how to say it. And by the time I could say it, the moment had passed. And it was really frustrating. Yeah. And then eventually, you just get in the habit of like you know, using that Shakespearean filter as best you can. 
and then it starts to kind of you know it's like freestyle rapping or right any of that i think you start to get a flow and then it's oh i'm in it i can do this it's like watching a world-class like saxophone player like someone who's like the best in the world at playing saxophone except you've never heard of a saxophone and you didn't even know it was an instrument <laughs> that anyone could play yeah. like you just saw it and you were like what Whoa, is man. he doing yeah. like because it's not like um i mean you guys are i've seen groups tra- do that like it, style stuff mm-hmm. before but never to the level of commitment and execution that you guys have done and 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 i guess you guys have been around so long and and work do it so much that it just they get like a language seems appropriate like it just starts to be the way you think when you're doing that show and yeah there's no filter in between the f- the flowery like beautiful language and now, now it's not it's not like a genre show to me it's just no. an improv show yeah. with that has that tells a story yeah but i think i also will like give a lot of props to i think the the or the guys who were sort of around that time that we when we were all coming up together it was a very like special group and a and a great energy and i think that at least for the years that i was very active and i mean i'm still active but now i you know i live in la so i'm kind of back and forth but it it felt very exciting and vital and that you were on stage with some people that were really like unbelievable talents yeah and i think that also kind of like just just the cast and the energy just raised the bar what what um what separates that show in your mind like what makes it particularly special or fun to do um, if the, if you had to put your finger on one um, or two things well i like it because um you get to break a couple of rule or not rules but you get to do things in that show that you typically can't do with great success in some improv shows which is like um you know the only things that we go in with are we get the title there will be a monologue to open the show. And then sort of the rule of the show is you have to discover your want as a character. And then the want is what carries the the plot of the show, right. not the, there's really no plot structure. Right. Um, so to me, I love discovering like, I'm going to murder this dude. And if I do, then that's okay Yeah, <laughs> that I can like take him, I can kill him. I can take him down or I want to woo this woman or, yeah. you know, I think sometimes we don't get to play those really base things for like long periods of time. We might get a three minute scene where you get to kill someone. Then it's like edit. Right. Um, but you know, for a typical improv show, that's not the case. So I, I do like those really, for lack of a better word, sort of like higher, more grandiose things that you can do in a Shakespeare play that you don't necessarily get to do when you're doing a Herald or, or, or people don't do as much yeah. when you get to do that. It's also a pretty, um, and for, if you haven't, if you listeners haven't seen the show one, just find a way to see it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it it's, uh, it, it's such a, it, like in hindsight, I guess for, for people who think that that sounds crazy at first, it's like, it is a perfect fit because I think, the high and low of like what Shakespeare does as he writes is a perfect compliment to, I think what's great about improv also, which is that it is a combination of your, your best intelligence and your, your creativity and all of your brilliance as a person. And then also like your like childlike impulses of just sure. like silly, dumb dick jokes, dumb dick jokes, base instincts, yeah. like dirty and like, totally. Yeah. And Shakespeare as a writer is a combination of that stuff totally. in, a, in a totally brilliant way. And I, I think that allows you guys to just play and maybe not have to worry about like trying to make it that because that's kind of what improv is in a lot of ways is just put through this filter yeah and trying we try to treat it not as a parody i think we try to treat it as 
we're going to do this to the best of our ability. And then if it falls off the rails, great. Like, like we were talking about, the audience is actually wanting you to do it uh, to the best of your ability. And when it falls apart, it, there's great tension relief there. Yeah. People love to see us, you know, when we, we can't think of what to say and have to break the language right. to be like, you know, damn it or whatever. <laughs> um, that's really, that's really fun too. It, um, it, I, think, I think one of the reasons why it's had, such lasting power as like a show that's been so good to watch is that I think when I first heard it described, I thought, I thought I expected parody, Mm -hmm. right. You know, like you expect, um, okay. Like they're going to parody Shakespeare stuff, but like you were just explaining, like it's, it's not a parody. It's like a fully committed thing that has maybe moments of small parody or satire, Yeah, but, but like all really good, smart satire, like the best stuff, it, it transcends just the distance from the thing and, and communicates a love for that thing yeah yeah we love shakespeare so we don't we i think in in our highest mind we would hope that like if shakespeare knew what we were doing he'd be like yeah i'm down with it you know just because (laughs) yeah we're we're really not trying to send it up we're trying to do our best version but just on the spot i think he would and i say that with literally no authority (laughs) (laughs) i know couldn't know less (laughs) yeah the ghost of shakespeare yeah haunting us now (laughs) Um, uh, let's talk about, um, Cook County, which is another, yeah. uh, pretty like, I'm gonna call it like an important improv team. <laughs> <laughs> I love these. Yeah. These yeah. great. I like being an important improv team. Yeah. That sounds good. <laughs> um, but yeah, you guys had like a really long run in Chicago and, mm-hmm. and, um, you want to describe that team or like what, what it was like to play with those guys? Yeah. Cook County was a very, is a very different kind of show in that, you know, those are my closest friends and the, that almost came before and because of the show. And so when we were all coming up in Chicago and at first kind of made our first teams and stuff, we, I think we're eyeing each other from across the room being like, if I could do a show with anybody, yeah. that guy and this guy and this guy. Um, and so, you know, when we, that, that show is really defined by, I think a different, um, a different thing, which is we always, we always liked to push, um, we always were wanting to see how funny we could make it. And I think that was only because we make each other laugh. Yeah. And we wanted to take that thing that made us laugh four feet away in the green room and put it right onto the stage. And, um, and that means, you know, messing with the rules of improv, if there are any, um, you know, putting each other in the hot seat, and pimping each other into right. things that we know that each other both can and can't do things that I think a lot of people see us and they're like, I li- I mean, we hear this all the time. I like how you, um, you know, like threw them under the bus basically to like name all the hockey teams in the NHL. Right. And what they don't realize is like, that is like one of the most fun places you Absolutely. could put me. And that's only because those guys know, like that would be me. <laughs> like I don't know anything about hockey, and yeah. that the emotion that I'll exhibit when they make me do that is what people will laugh at because I will treat it certain ways. So they people kind of confuse that with like messing around with the right. improv form, but it's actually us just being friends. And also, like if you get something like that wrong, you know, like the Toledo Dervishes, exactly. You know, it's I mean, like what a gift, absolutely. The, um, and yeah, and and I, I. You watch really, really good groups like they. And that's again like that. I, yeah, I think that like there are no rules to improv because it's like 
I become a, a not big fan of like, you got to learn the rules before you can break the rules. Right. Cause I think that like prohibits people from doing things that they might actually be able to do really early on right in terms of just an impulse of like i'm playing you know exactly and yeah you guys are you're not really throwing anybody under the bus because you know that they can handle it and and failure quote unquote isn't them not being able to name all the hockey teams right that's success like like that's you you just you're just giving them opportunity to like take it take an take an easy pitch yeah Yeah, exactly take a chop at it and see what happens because i mean even we had a show on wednesday and I think the, I came in as a, I think I, I was a cop who had just like shot the character that had left, which was me. And, <laughs> and the guys just started basically describing me as a person like, yeah. Oh, did you, did you shoot the, like, was he a blonde kid who like always talks about Arlo Guthrie and like <laughs> got really like about, it was just saying things that right, they think yeah. of me and the audience completely knew like, Oh, they're just taking the piss about his real person and of course i'm just saying like nope that wasn't the guy the guy was this the guy was that right yeah so when people see that they're like i can't believe you would you know put each other on the spot but it's really just it's more fun than that there's a sense of like you kind of set up a tightrope for people and Mm -hmm. and because coming back to the idea that like the audience is experiencing it with you there is no way to fail like ever right if i'm like hey um why don't you go ahead go ahead and read the poem you wrote for the class like (laughs) like that i think at first you're like why did you do that to me right i gotta make up a poem but then when you realize it's like, I can say anything. Exactly. And if I just try to make an actual poem, it will be great. It doesn't matter what comes out of my mouth. As long as the audience, is, audience sees you actually try to do it. Right. And not just be like, oh, I left it. Like, and that's, you and can't that's fail. That commitment thing. I think the other maybe thing that defines Cook County is we're very emotionally, we're very emotional players when we do things like that. And I think it's one thing to pimp someone and make them read a poem. Um, but it's a, another thing to pimp someone, make them read a poem and watch them go through yeah. the sort of emotional journey, good or bad that it takes to like read the poem. And I think we always like, we love to play game. We love to, we love pattern and like really hammering game, but we've all, I mean, when we teach and when we play, our thing has always been like, the pattern can fail, the game can fail, but it won't if like we care about the emotional right. stakes of these characters. And so we always went about it like let's make sure our scenes are are emotionally committed that we're committing to the like even if it's the most absurd reality, we're playing it like it's real. Yeah. And then whatever absurdity comes out of that, be it a pattern or a pimp or whatever, we're not just giving a wink and a nod to the audience, we're actually playing it like it's real. And I think part of that is like not only like hedging your bets, you know, where it's like, right. well, if the pattern fails, like at least we got this thing. But also, like, it just strengthens any pattern that you do discover organically because you are moved by, like, here's a not fun scene two, four, eight, 16, 32, right. sweep. Like, it's not just that pattern will get us excited. I think it's like, yeah, you watch and you watch you guys play. It's so clear that, like, the characters all, the reality of the thing is, is always there. There's right. always the stakes, even if it's the most preposterous thing going on you never violate the the character's treatment of that because as soon as you lose it, like you said, you get a wink to the audience, you know? Right. And not to sound like too improv nerdy, but I think that's kind of the... Please do. The, uh, We're on an improv podcast. Yes. <laughs> I think that's the misconception with the term of truth and comedy, which yeah. is that truth and comedy means that we need to be able to see on stage that which we can also see just like walking down the street. And I think that's only part of it. Like... Uh, you know, yeah, it's cool to see two people talking at a bus stop. Right. 
Um, it's also cool to watch like um, two spacemen, you know, fighting the aliens. But if if we're not, the truth of the comedy is actually right. the, the, the real emotional stakes that the characters are, are doing, exhibiting on stage. And if we're not committing to the truth of their relationship or the truth of the circumstance, then it feels like untethered. So I always hate that, that thing of like, you know, like, hey guys, that, you know, let's make this more like, let, let's just do slice of life. Like right. slice of life is actually really kind of boring to me. Like I want to see things happen on stage. Yeah. I want to see, I want to see things fall apart and come together again in all sorts of ways. And it's not just two people standing four feet apart, having a conversation. Like to <laughs> me, that's like, well, I can, I don't have to pay $7 to that. I can go watch right. two guys at a, at a bus stop do that. So that's always been our, like, we don't do, I would consider like the typical, like what people think of as a Chicago style improv right. show. We were always like taking really big swings at the ball to like, to react, to be emotional and to, to, yeah, get a big um, response from the audience about how far we would push something. Yeah. It's funny. A part of that speaks to just like the, like improv cultural differences in the two cities, you yeah. know, cause I think, you know, in, in, in New York, it's like, it's like, we're not here. Like <laughs> that sentence, like we're not like every other team that's just standing and talking about being at a bus stop. It's like, right. it's so funny. Cause everyone, it's everyone in New York is like, I think the thing on the other side is like, everyone's trying to hit the ball too hard. You yeah. Know? And, and, um, I think it's, it's a lot of, it's just about, about the, like to me, truth and comedy, like you're saying, I think it's about what is happening, like what just happened. Right. And so I, I, I like slice of life scenes a lot, but I, what I don't like is like a, a, a patient scene, which is like, we're being so patient. <laughs> yeah. Like, Cause it, it also violates the truth of the moment where it's like, well, you're doing it for an improv reason. Like you, you're actually not really reacting to each other. You're, right. you're, you're going slowly and you're purposely talking about, small real life things but this doesn't this still isn't real and and you watch people do slice of life really effectively and it feels very alive mm-hmm. you you can watch tj and dave talk about you know a, a bread basket for an hour mm-hmm. and you'll maybe walk away from that show and be like stuff happened like in a weird way whereas like if you watch it like someone not do it not really react to each other that's the thing is like if i mean we teach reaction and yeah. i actually think improv is taught a little bit in reverse sometimes which is mm-hmm. like we give people a lot of um, structure basically we're trying to get people onto stage to not freak out and so and to get in front of people and make something up and we say like you know don't ask questions who what where give each other names right. say yes and blah 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 and I think that what that leads to after a while is then people forget that um, really what we're doing is First, like, let's listen, say something, listen, and take the opportunity to react emotionally to anything. I mean, it can be you touching your hair in a certain way can make me, I mean, can make me fall in love with you, you know? And, and so, and I hope it does. It already has. right. (laughs) And so I think we sometimes forget, like, we don't want to watch yet. Two people just sort of go tit for tat about nothing. We want to... Uh, I mean, I I said this the other day, and I hope some lights went off. Like a girl was in a scene, I can't remember. She just basically a guy was trying to fall in love with her, and she just kept being like, "No, well, eh, no, no, no," kind of all no. Right. And I was like, "What do we all want to watch here? Somebody fall in love, right? yeah, <laughs> or somebody fall out of love." But we don't want to watch somebody 
be agnostic. Right. And because that's kind of what we do all the time. All the time. <laughs> we want to go to a show and watch something happen on stage. And that is sometimes I think we forget that when we teach improv because we're just trying to get someone up there not freaking out. So, and then they, those rules, are, like you said, like who cares about them right. eventually, like they become so rote that, I mean, I've had students like stop mid-scene and be like, um, you know, it's that, like, can I ask questions? And it's like, right. absolutely. Yeah, please <laughs> yeah. do. If that's what's going on, yeah, ask a question and get a, like, and, and put an emotional spin yeah. on it, how you're asking it. So... Not to yeah axe grind. Oh. Please grind some axes. <laughs> and like coming back to spaceman scene. Yeah, if you're reacting to the other person, then it's a scene, it's and a like, scene. and yeah. it can have a truth and comedy to it. To me, the truth is is this moment that we're all experiencing together, and whether we're spacemen fighting the evil space dragon, which totally. is like my go-to example. The space dragon is <laughs> my go-to example now. Right. Or we're at a bus stop talking about the way the puddles are forming as after the rain, mm-hmm. like there's going to be a truth to each of those moments. And if you're not responding honestly, or if you're doing things for an improv reason, mm-hmm. because someone told you to, or you think that's the right answer, mm-hmm. it, it'll always, it won't be that Heisenberg myth, you know, right? <laughs> it'll, totally. it'll be, it'll be 90%. It'll be 80%. Yeah. Um, Go for Heisenberg meth yeah. quality improv. I watch so. TV. <laughs> Who said I didn't watch TV? Who doesn't? That show was great. Let's yeah. have a breaking bad podcast. <laughs> um, so uh, where are you at with, with improv like what what do you still love about it what is how has that launched you into other things that you're doing with your career and your life and that's a good question yeah where am i at with improv i know what a what a heavy weird big question well i just moved to los angeles so i think in a way improv's been a really cool safety net that uh you know as i'm in the process of sort of learning a new system i got to realize that oh yeah i spent all these years figuring out this one skill that I feel very confident in and that actually helps me with all these other things. So it's actually felt really fresh and new to me recently because we're doing shows for people who have never seen us before. And to me, that's been, it's been really fun to bring what we have worked on so long to a new place and have people respond to it in a way that we kind of had forgotten about because we did a show for so long to kind of the same hometown crowd where even if the show was like lazy, we probably got away with it. Mm-hmm. And when the show was bad, we got away with it. And the show was great. We got away with it and kind of to the same success for the last four or five years. And in, in LA, it has felt um, almost like way more vital and way more like, Oh yeah, this, we do have a certain sort of uh, language and way of doing this. And that's felt great. Yeah. Um, where it's gotten me, I don't know. That's a good question. I think, um, just as an actor, you know, I improvise in every audition that I do and unless expressly told not to. And for the most part, it's already been super successful. Yeah. Not that I'm just like booking things out of the, you know, one after the other, but I think people, I heard you booked, uh, I heard you're the next, uh, uh, Craig, Ferguson. I am the next Craig Ferguson and the next Craig Kilborn. Yeah. Boy, it took uh, <laughs> me a long time to not say Craig Kilborn. That was real hard for I, me. In my mind, I thought when you said Craig Ferguson, I thought of Craig Kilborn. Yeah. So that just goes to show you how much I was watching. Sorry, Craig Ferguson. <laughs> um, but it has, it has made me um, more confident as when I'm in an audition or in front of the camera to just be like, 
you know, I'm going to say this line and I'm going to put this little twinkle, just whether it's a reaction or a throwaway line or whatever on it, because I understand it and I feel confident in it. And that to me has been, it actually like relaxes me when I'm auditioning because it's like the lines are there. I've, I've learned them, but now I get to kind of just go do the thing I've always been doing. Yeah. And so that's been, that's been really fun. It's nice. Like that you're talking about the, improvising for a new audience of people you've never seen before. There's such a weird thing in improv where, you know, like if like someone on the West coast, like makes an album, you Mm -hmm. know, like they, they create this music and it's vibrant and alive in a way that's interesting and new. Like I can hear it over here. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like I don't, you know what I mean? But in improv, it's like you get, you just have to see people. Like you have to go there. They have to come to you. You can hear stories about it, and I guess now you can watch like YouTube videos, but it's not. It's not the same. It's not fun to watch improv on YouTube. Yeah, and and so it's like, yeah, it's uh, there's something about that of just like having people see you for the first time. That's why I feel like traveling is like a big part of like I feel like I've I've learned a lot yeah. about myself as a performer traveling and doing totally. shows. It we were we were laughing too because we were getting laughs and responses from things that we would i think never have gotten laughs for in chicago or had just sort of like discounted as like too easy or something and now it feels like being rewarded all over again for like some of the easiest stuff and by easy i mean not necessarily cheap but just like being really committed like playing characters really as best you can in the moment and that stuff just, you know, people will come up after the shows and just be like, how did you guys do that? And it's been fun to actually ask ourselves the question. I think of like, oh yeah, how do we do it? Right. Like, how do we teach it? How do we want it to translate? And it, and it has felt good. It feels like we speak uh, uh, the same language with a different accent out there. I remember doing a show in Baltimore many years ago. They have a wonderful festival and it's uh it's like their big event every year and it's uh-huh. packed full of people and it's usually packed full of people who don't see improv hmm. and sometimes those crowds can be like be funny you know what right. i mean i think that's our like stereotype of like a bunch of people who haven't seen improv but um the crowds there are, are the best and it and it you had an experience of like getting rewarded for simple things like just having a character that cared about something yeah. will make the audience go like yeah, yeah. like they'd just be into it oh we were we were getting like oh yeah. stuff and, and you just for having a son that loves his dad you know <laughs> and you're like oh yeah I, that's la like, yeah. it's just people people no. are so into son, yeah. dad son relationship <laughs> but uh yeah you're right i mean it's it you know people want to see cool funny interesting relationships on stage and i think if you play them then you'll be rewarded through a laugh or an awe or a, a cheer or claps or whatever you know what about in your um in your personal life, just as a human, like how do you feel oh, improv, improv affecting and be hmm. as um, be as intimate and inappropriate as possible? <laughs> when I'm in the bedroom, I'm always yes and. <laughs> um, in my personal life, that is a good question. I think um, I think as a listener, it's helped me. Of course, you know, I would say that maybe I wasn't without improv. I probably wouldn't. I wouldn't say I'm an amazing listener now, but I'm definitely better because of improv. And I think I can wait my turn <laughs> to talk and uh and sort of I'm pretty good at reading behavior, which is which is fun. That's a good question in my personal life. I mean, 
I, I kind of go back to that thing of there's not a ton of stuff that scares me when it comes to like weird or crazy things happening now. Yeah. Like I actually kind of thrive on weird things happening in life now, probably because of improv, because there is that similar rush of like, this guy's insane on the train and I kind of love it. Like I'm a, I, I will, I'm a, I'm a crazy person magnet. Speaking of magnets, I, uh, like if there's someone crazy on the train, they will talk to me. Right. It's un it's uncanny. And I'm the kind of person that's just like, cool, you know? And I think it's only because improv has taught me like, you know, there's probably something here to like learn or listen <laughs> to and something could happen. And that's what's the scene about? Yeah. What is this train what's this life scene person? about? And, and maybe not even like in that, like I'm studying characters. It's more like right. something could happen that none of us expected. And that's great. Um, and it's kind of that yes mentality to life. Like the more you just say yes to like whatever's happening, then pretty much you'll, you'll have more stories and more memories. It's also so, like an know. openness to just being present. Yeah. I, I feel like there's something about like parts of modern adult life. Uh, and I speak about that again with no authority as what it's really like to be a modern adult. Cause I'm a, a full grown child. Um, <laughs> baby but, man. Yeah. But there's, there's something about that where it can, there's a lot of pressures to make you not be in the moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, work is a, is a stress mm-hmm. and, and it's a lot of uh, important thought and planning, you know, for most people's jobs and what they do is, is all things that are going to happen, mm-hmm. you know? Um, there's also just like living in a city, it's, it's very distracting. There's yeah. a lot, a lot of stress coming in and, you know, the like, not to like get on a soapbox, and certainly I don't think get this off that the, soapbox Rick. the way that like <laughs> other people do, but like, you know, like the way that like technology works and people, yeah, it, there's, there's like a learning curve that you have to kind of feel like, okay, like I could be on my phone all the time or I can like be on the train and just kind of see what's going on right totally. now. Like, and so there's like, yeah, improv does make people a little more open to those moments of like, this could like, I think this is probably not going to be an interesting thing, but it could be. Right. And that's the first step into something interesting actually happening. Right. Is being willing to admit like, this could be a cool moment. I'm, you know, I'm a standing in line, like waiting to get on this totally crowded train. And this is a bad experience, but maybe it's not like I teach a lot of that. Anything in an improv scene can be important. And I think that has been a great lesson of like, you can make, anything important in your life like you can make yeah riding on the crowded train an important feeling or moment so that you're kind of watching it and and understanding it the same way on stage where it's like here's my opportunity to make this thing that no one else thinks is important to make it important and then your scene can just take off you know so i agree with that we construct our own meaning of for situations obviously there's like reasonable limits to that stuff Mm -hmm. you know you can't just interpret any situation anyway but but it's it's there's a lot more wiggle room that i think people feel like you get really ingrained into like ways of thinking Mm -hmm. you know um there was a just such erudite conversation i I really thought we were going to come in here and like do 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 uh, some voices (laughs) let's do our uh (laughs) let's do our vaudeville act here ladies and gentlemen rick and gregory rick and gregory is kind of a good yeah (laughs) (laughs) when we when we tour vaudeville that's what our there was this winter was um kind of cold okay 
Yeah. And I, they're just, <laughs> yeah. Right. And you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. There was just this thing where everyone decided we're just going to talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and this is bad. And everyone just, it was just this assumption of like, how awful is this winter? And it, maybe, maybe there were some, it was right. a day where it was like, man, it's really cold and slushy and this is <laughs> hard to be fun. But like, you know what? A lot of it is just like, it's nice out. Like it's cold. I'll put on another coat and some stuff and yeah, it's a little cold now, but I do. I will I say know. that I was one of those people that moved during, like I moved before <laughs> the polar vortex. Oh yeah. In Chicago. And I went back over the holiday and I've never felt anything like it. And I did say in my mind, there's no way I could have lived through this. I'm so <laughs> glad I moved. I'm you would have been thin skinned. You would have been fine. I don't know. Um, I also remember, I, I, uh, I related to that thing you said too, of like, just, it prepares you for situations. I remember I started doing improv in, in um, in like middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember one of the first effects it had on me as a person was like, I stopped getting nervous for things that I used to get nervous about, like a, like a test, mm-hmm. you know, because it was like, in comparison to improv, it just seemed like, it's like, well, I get up and I don't know what I'm doing and I'm getting up from these people. Right. It's like, here I kind of know what I'm doing. The te- I'm going to go and I'm going to take this test. Yeah, yeah like there's more, there's more certainty to it that, that made it, maybe, you know, that might just be like a childish way of thinking about it. Maybe just an easier way to wrap your head around things yeah. that otherwise would, would make you feel nervous and scared. I have another one actually that you made me think of, which is also like suspending judgment because I think I can be instinctively judgmental about the quality of a situation or of a piece of work or whatever. And I think it has taught me to be a little bit more patient to not judge first and receive second, but to receive and then go through the process of seeing how I feel about it. Um, And I think that's helped me totally as a writer. It's helped me, it's helped me a ton in my own work because I don't, I've, I've stopped judging myself before I get anything done and just do things and then kind of see how I can improve them later. And that, I mean, that sounds like a real like corporate improv thing. That's (laughs) true. Guys, let's not judge this downy campaign before we get it and roll (laughs) it out. Let's get everything on the whiteboard. Let's just get no bad ideas. There's no bad idea. That's a bad idea, James, but anything else. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I think that's helped me a ton because now, um, even just in, I think acting in, in general, you can be super critical of your career, of yourself, of ha- what you, in comparison to other people, oh, yeah. judging yourself, also judging other people and what they're getting that you're not. Big time. And and I think it's it's really been refreshing to just know like, hey, you know what? We're all on our own, own path and, you know, I'm just going to kind of yes the thing that I'm in right now and and treat it as, you know, an opportunity and not as a, a thing that I should either make myself feel bad for or take away from someone else. Um, so that's probably the other thing. Yeah. It's that writer's block. I mean, that's what writer's block is to me is, is just you thinking you have no good ideas, but you're just stifling a thing that could be, that could be great. You know, just write it down, man. I feel like too, as a performing improv, definitely got that. uh, Lately I've been feeling like, uh, you know, obviously, I'm still, we're all very judgmental. <laughs> and it's just yeah. like, it's a quick thing. And it's, it's, it's a fear thing in a sure. lot of ways. But I've been feeling myself trying to fight it more or noticing when, um, as a teacher, like that's really been helpful because people always surprise you. I, I don't know if you found that teaching. Yeah, totally. I think as a teacher, it's easy to get judgy of being like, they do this. They're not do doing the exercise 
well, or you're, are you listening to what I'm saying? Right. Just do this. And I promise you, this is the result. But then if you sort of like, I like to think of it as like, I'm going to, instead of being frustrated with it, like I'm going to try to put as much, um, of my, like, you can do this energy onto someone, which is like, Hey man, that was great. And like, I want you, you can already do this little piece. I want to see you do this next piece and really push yourself in that risk way to try it. And that's been helpful to me because I think, yeah, as a teacher, your whole job is to essentially like you're supposed to teach and you're trying to critique and teach to a student, especially like I like to teach to the student and not just to the idea of improv. And I think it's helped me just try to find the thing that someone does well and build from there rather than being like, well, you obviously can't do an Irish accent, so <laughs> you're, uh, that seemed kind of tanked. Why don't, you, why don't you just sit out the rest of the exercises? Yeah. It's mostly Irish James, stuff. It's always James for me. I'm going to say James a lot today. It's just the name on my brain. Huh? Um, yeah, I, I found people, every time I think, because part of it is always assessment. That's what we think as a teacher. Like you're assessing where people are at. Right. And that it, it can be quick to cross over to judgment. Mm-hmm. And I think that was an important thing I had to learn was like assess where they're at, but also like as soon as you do that, they are going to surprise you. Yeah. Like they are because you're, you're, they're doing more improv. And even if you're not there, you're just like, they're getting better because they're doing it more. Yeah. Even without, even in a vacuum. And so that's always the thing. I always like, I think the universal answer of like, how do I do this? How I get better is just do it more. Yeah. <laughs> always just do as much as you can, you know? And not everyone's going to achieve the same level, but like, yeah, just you're doing this well. Now go and do it as much as you possibly can and you'll change. You'll get better. It's hard with improv, I think, for some people because like for writing, it's like, I'm going to write a bunch, write a bunch, write a bunch, and then I'll like write a thing, Mm -hmm. you know? For improv, it's like the performance and the practice of it are like the exact same and Mm -hmm. nothing feels quite different about them. Like if I write a bunch of stuff and then I like write a play, like I put up the play maybe, let's mm-hmm. say, <laughs> you know, and they're like, there's something about that that feels like qualitatively different maybe mm-hmm. than just practicing writing, you know? Uh, whereas improv for yeah. people, like you, you never have a chance to look at your work again. All you have is right. how you felt about it while you were doing it. Right. I would agree with that. Yeah. There's, there are skills that I like to take into the writing process, but yeah, you're right. Like at the end of the day, you have a script that you either stand behind or you don't. <laughs> For the most part, you stand behind or you run away from very quickly. For the most part, an improv show, you know, you're always just going to say like, this felt this way or this felt that way. And then we're all going to have a beer and, you know, chalk it up to the, you know, the chaos that is our memory and whether you remember pieces of it or not, you know, that's, yeah, that's up for grabs. Um, last little thing. What are you, what are you looking forward to? Um, as a performer, what do you, what do you, what are you excited about right now? Like, what are you excited to kind of chomp at the bit at? um improv writing sketch yeah acting. i'm doing a lot of i'm doing a lot of writing and a lot of um a lot of performing with uh, those cook county guys out in la so that's been really fun we're about to we're actually i think the thing i'm most excited about is we're working on a, a new pitch that's going to be an improvised narrative um you know a la curb or something curb your enthusiasm i'll do it you'll do it <laughs> this is an this is a formal offer live and over the air is this live this is live um you'll pay me candy i'll do it (laughs) yeah so um i think that's been the thing i'm really excited about because just learning how to um write great story structure but then using that skill of improvising characters and on camera 
And so, yeah, we're, we're shooting something this month that I'm excited to do and just kind of see if we can flex that improv muscle on the screen a little bit more. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much for coming in and talking Guys, to us. this was great. Magnet forever. <laughs> uh, Greg Hess, uh, you can catch him at Improvised Shakespeare Company. They come into New York City uh, every couple months. Yeah. Does that seem accurate? Also play every Friday night at IO Chicago. Is that right? Uh, Cook County. Oh, uh, sorry. Shakespeare. Shakespeare pay- plays Thursday, Friday. Thursday, Friday. And, yeah. Cook and uh, what can we find you in, uh, in LA, Cook County? We're, uh, we're the cage match champions right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and by the time so, this airs, you know, in a couple of weeks, that should still be true. So yes. You we, need to. It better be. That's, you need to keep doing it because you've said this on the podcast. Like I said, improv competition is the most, <laughs> competition is the most important part of it. I agree, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're doing that right now. That's been a blast. And um, also, yeah, one, once a month. But we're playing actually at IOS West all summer. So Great. if anybody's in L.A. Come see us on Thursdays. And uh, when can someone in San Antonio catch you play? San Antonio, we're going to be at the Silver Horseshoe <laughs> Mondays throughout Ju- July 2015. We're going to be commuting to San Antonio yeah. on Mondays. Well, there you have By it. the Riverwalk, see the Alamo. <laughs> Greg Hess, thanks for coming in. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to the Magnet Podcast. Oh, uh, sixteen-time Academy Award winner Meryl Streep. Everyone, I want to read a poem that my my father used to uh, read to me before uh, before bedtime in the twilight. 1930s. Twilight. <laughs> it's a Keats poem. I'm really fond of. Are we ready?